Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always I'm joined by Keith hey. and Brad. What's up? So we got two movies this week to talk about. First is going to be Floor and Son, and then we're going to close out with Dumb Money, which just came out a couple weeks ago. And it's based on the whole GameStop stock saga. I guess we should talk about Flora and Son, and I'm going to kick it over to Brad. Summer is always crazy. IMDb. It follows Flora, a single mom who is at war with her son, Max. Trying to find a hobby for Max, she rescues a guitar from a dumpster and finds that one person's trash can be a family's salvation. Well, that's a pretty good summary, and you know, John Carney's movies are a little hokey, so that summary kind of does it well. He's always been one of my favorite directors, and the way he infuses his movies with music as a starting point. From there, adds humanity, humor, and heart. This time out, it's got a saltier appeal due to a stunning turn from Eve Hewson, but Florence Son is another in his finely crafted tales. Carney came to the world's attention with Once, his timeless ode to creativity, love, and busking that made big stars of Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Orglova. That model of friendship fueled by music is his wheelhouse. But what really made Carney a cult icon is Sing Street, an ode to brotherhood, youthful energy, and rock and roll, which starred Coda star Ferdia Walsh Pilo and Lucy Boynton. Both Sing Street and Once were made into Broadway musicals, spending their staying power. One short point of Floor and Sun, however, is that the music is not its strongest point this time, so that, that does not stand out, but it has many other charms. I'll tell you all that before going into Floor and Sun, because, you know, Carney's movies can be pretty corny. If you give it and go along for the ride, they, for me at least, always satisfy, and this one is no exception. This time out, our heroine, Flora, is a lot more jaded and beaten down by life, and Bad sister star Eve Hewson is the perfect fit. Flora still looks at the world with a churlish charm, even as she's now a single mom whose teen son can't stand her as she does babysitting jobs and argues with her ex-husband incessantly. So there's a harder edge this time out, but there's sweetness to come, and of course all kinds of music. Houston definitely shows Flora's range with electric energy, a strong defiant streak, and a vulnerable side we only see when she opens up later in the movie. This transition starts when she buys a junky guitar in an effort to bond with her son who rejects it outright in favor of the techno and rap he loves. And a lot of the charm of Flora and Son is seeing how they come together. And this, of course, has romance of sorts, too, as Eve signs up for long-distance guitar lessons with a California instructor by Zoom, an equally jaded Springsteen wannabe played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Awkward Sparks Fly. They have a natural charm together, and while some of his California folk wisdom makes you wince, there's a magical realism to their flirting that gives the movie a real spark. But at the heart of Flora and Son are Houston and her son Max, played by Orrin Kinlan. He's a budding thief and a wannabe rapper, and Eve struggles to get him on the right course as she barely am on, am on herself gives us more edge than Carney's previous movies. Dublin plays into it strongly too, as in the best movies from Roddy Doyle's novels, and it moves along to almost a techno beat even as Eve and her teacher, Jeff, bond largely over acoustic music. This is filled with fun performances throughout, and Sing Street that Jack Rayner is fantastic as Flora's ex-husband, Ian, a failed musician himself who resents Eve's new passion for music as much as he envies it. He's great as he stammers through this, and it's a perfect follow-up to his role in Sing Street. At its core, this movie works as well or better than Carney's other movies, because Flora isn't anyone who ever set out to be a musician. She just uses music to make the world around her make sense, and whose life isn't better with a little art in it? That's the simple message of Flora and Son, but it's filled with a ton of heart, and with an electrifying performance by Eve Houston at its core, I'll give this one four stars. And, you know, this one was offered at Sundance, but on virtual, you could not watch the premieres, so I didn't, want, didn't get to see it then, but I wanted to see it all year. It played briefly in the theater, but it's now on Apple Plus, because Apple Plus paid for it at Sundance, and you can watch it there now. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Brad? All right, critics and audience. Keith, what you thinking? I think critics like this one as much as I did. I will go 80. 
Uh, he's a hard sell if you're not part of his wheelhouse. With fans, I'll go 72. Mm-hmm. Critics, 94%, 109 reviews. Audience, 85%, 50-plus reviews. And critics' consensus, courtesy of Rock Tomatoes. Another music-fueled crowd-pleaser from writer-director John Carney. Flora and Son proves almost impossible to resist. And I'll agree with that. You know, I, I should have more faith in the people and the critics. Now, I know his movies have kind of a cult following, but I'm glad. I think Flora and Son will have wide appeal for people at least who have Apple Plus. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to Dumb Money, a movie that came out a couple weeks ago in September, directed by Craig Galepsky. It's based on a book called The Antisocial Network by Ben Meserich, who wrote the book that was actually the basis for The Social Network, <laughs> the movie uh, from like 10 years ago about Facebook. Um, this movie chronicles kind of the rise and fall of this whole GameStop stock uh, saga, like I mentioned. Uh, it's an ensemble cast with Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Vincent D'Onofrio, America Ferreira, Nick Offerman, Anthony Ramos, Sebastian Stan, Shailene Woodley, and Seth Rogen, among other people. Brad, do you want to give us a little bit more details about this movie? Sure thing. Summer is always courtesy of IMDb. Dumb Money is the ultimate David versus Goliath tale, based on the, the insane true story of everyday people who flipped the script on Wall Street and got rich by turning GameStop, in parentheses, the video game store, <laughs> into the world's hottest company. Okay. Well... Brad, I want to toss it over to you because on paper, this doesn't feel like a Brad movie, but I know you're intrigued because obviously you love GameStop. You're, you know, you're a supporter there. And uh, but, what do you think of this movie? I liked it. I liked it. It was very frenetic. It was. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the beginning of Elvis. It had its moments where it slowed down, but there was many more scenes where it's just like it was almost like flashing lights and just screens and music and it was it was it was good the first time i did it it took me a little bit to get used to it like air did for the 80s to an extent it did a great job catching the the feel of the time period even if it was just a couple years ago i mean it just uh the 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 shortness it's almost it almost sort of like um emulates the shortness of like twitter posts and memes and just just quick videos and all that it was it was sort of the same feel to this movie at, at parts so um and the music, which is, I will admit it's not quite um, near any top list for me, was, it also was also a sign of the time. So I, I really enjoyed that of it. Um, the acting was superb all around. I mean, there, there's, there's, it's hard to pick out just one good performance. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it later, but there was, there was a lot of performances that just it fit perfectly. The, the actors and actresses did a great job. And like I said, there's not many negatives I can think of. Ben, Keith, what, what are you thinking about it? I thought this was a good movie. You know, it's weird to watch movies that are so recent in history. I mean, like Brad said, I mean, this this all basically went down like January, February of 2021. So we're just over two years from now. But it, it was, it's interesting, you know, the whole concept of the stock market and everything like that. You know, it can be complicated, but they tried to explain basically what was going on. I think as well as you can, especially with that same kind of uh, frenetic style that Brad was mentioning. That's you know very TikTok and 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 reels and Instagram and all that stuff. And uh, but it, it it was good. Um, you know the the ensemble cast. I think everybody was very strong in it. Um, I think one negative to that, unfortunately, is that a lot of the characters there's like it's pretty wide. But it's not that very deep as far as characters, with the exception of Paul Dando's character, obviously, who's the, the main person in this. 
But, you know, it was a, a pretty enjoyable thing. Um, you know, it's kind of the same vein if you like the big short or obviously the social network. Um, I think you'll kind of enjoy it. And you can tell the influence of those two movies on this movie. Uh, but overall, I was, I was glad to have seen it. So, Keith, what did you think? You know, I liked it as much as you guys. You know, um, you mentioned the big short and a lot of people have it. It's the same, same almost the same exact subject. What I appreciate about this one, I love that movie too. But there's no real big speeches in this one. There's no, you know, graphics. You know, Adam McKay is very good at pounding something home. But his movies have become a lot more serious. This one, although it does delve into the short, short cell subject with, with intelligence, it's really just an underdog romp. And, you know, I appreciate it. I am, I'm more foreign even maybe than Brad to the TikTok, Reddit subculture. But the, the way they jive right into it, I, I would compare it even to Oppenheimer. It took me like 10 minutes to get into Oppenheimer because it's just so in your face. And this is not as good a movie as Oppenheimer. I'll throw that out there. But the way they built this world of that era, and, it's, and you're right, it's not just the music, it's the style, but the way they didn't hold back on the language in these, in, you know, that the, these kids were using, kids, I call everybody kids because I'm too old, on Reddit was just, you know, if you, if you have not gone into these subgroups like, you know, Wall Street Bets, you would, you'll be shocked by it. And I'm glad they didn't hold back. They really dump you right into this world. And Ben's right, it's not as deep as it could get, but it is, it is smart enough. And I just liked it as a fun, you know, romp. Yeah, I, I think really if you had to explain it, I mean, it's an underdog story and it is a definitely, um, you know, David and Goliath, you know, rich people versus uh, poor people because that, that's what it is. And it, it's funny to see these things being portrayed because, again, it's based on real life. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, who's one of the uh, the antagonists, I guess you would say, you know, he's Steve Cohen. He's the guy who owns the Mets, right? And some of these other folks, I mean, obviously they're all still alive and they're all still doing stuff. And um Brad, like, what's what's the performance that kind of stood out, stood out to you, Paul Dano? Or Paul Dano is definitely one. Yeah, I really love Paul Dan, uh, Dano's performance as Keith Gill. I mean, he's just um, some will call him not me, but some uh, Pete Davidson call him the prototypical nerd. I mean, <laughs> um, you could tell. I mean, just from the intro where he talks about the three reasons why he loves a GameStop, stock, uh, GameStop, uh, Game, GameStop. Stock. It's hard. It's yeah. Hard. yeah. So, and I mean, it's just like at that point, I just like my mind just almost shuts down. I'm like, what? I just, it's, but I mean, just, but he just, he's, he's dedicated. He's dedicated to this. He's dedicated to his family. Granted, the job, maybe not his, his other job, maybe not so much, but I mean, so I mean, it's just, he's dedicated to getting that four, four minute mile. I mean, he's, he is, he's a dedicated person. And I mean, it's just, and he does a real good job with the nuances, too. I mean, you can just tell the introspective and pensive nature of his character. He does that real well. He also has real good chemistry with Shane Lee Woodley in this. And, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention her as Caroline Gill, too. Wonderful job as the supportive wife who also knows when to, like, when to put the foot down when needed, even though it's she didn't have to do it often. You don't see it in the movie. But, I mean, it's just, you could tell. It's like they have a very symbiotic relationship. I gotta say, my secret MVP though is Vincent D'Onofrio as Steve Cohen. I mean, it's just, and I, the reason why I gave it to him is just, out of all the characters you get, that you give basically like an actual name and business and worth, which I also love that about the movie. It's like they don't they don't tell you about the background of the character. They just tell you the name of the character, what he does, and and how much the character's worth. So the net worth. But D'Onofrio is like he's given really short time, but I mean he's what for what he has. It's just. 
he, he's great at it. I mean, he's just, he slides in any character. I say he's a great chameleon because anything he's in, it makes you believe he can do it and, it. and he also just fits into it perfectly. And even, I didn't even do a, had to do a double take. And I think Keith even said, like, he didn't know it was D'Onofrio until the credits. He's the one that sticks out with me. Him and America Ferrer. She's also great in this. I mean, she out of out of all the I guess you could say like common pe- common person inve- investors, she's the one that's kind of given the most backstory. I I would also like to tip my hat to Seth Rogen uh, as Clay Popkin, who is somebody who runs a hedge fund, and like him and Paul Dano's character are basically parallel to each other. And it's interesting to see them both kind of find equilibrium, right? As Paul Dano's character continues to rise. Um, that's direct correlation with Gabe's character, or with Seth Rogen's character losing money. And I just thought that was good. You know, Seth Rogen, you know, it's just neat to see uh, these guys like him and Jonah Hill. Like those, the knocked up, super bad era from fi- now 15 years from now, like stretch and, and become an all around actors and everything like that. So. Um, I appreciated that, but I don't know, Keith. What other anybody else stand out to you? Well, you know, um, Pete Davidson playing Pete Davidson, he always does. But this being a pandemic movie, I really liked the way he kind of played the skeevy, you know, DoorDash driver, barely surviving. The way that he played, he and Paul Dano played off these other. It was the real brotherly charm to it, and I like those kind of movies. And the villains overall, you know, um, you're right. Seth, Seth Rogen is great and D'Onofrio, but Nick Offerman. He doesn't say much. He just kind of glowers through the whole thing. He's kind of the senior villain of this, and I like the fact that you know we don't really we never cheer for these villains. They're not. They're they're vile people, but this everybody's likable enough in this that you want you kind of want to see how it turns out. And I liked the way they kept dropping in the villains and the way they played off each other, the way that um, you know Seth Rogen, the Donofrio's character, and Nick Offerman play. Um, Seth, Ro- Seth plays Seth Rogen. Even as they're playing the other ki- the other investors, it's very cleverly done. Yeah. But you know, so uh, and it's the year of America Ferrera. She's always good. Well, speaking of just uh, about the villains like Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman, comedians when they play serious roles and they, they tend to do well in it. And both Offerman and Rogen play not only serious roles but also the villains. Rogen is like the sub boss. He's not quite the mustache twirling villain that you're expecting. I mean, and and it's and it's weird because it's like. He's a character that you don't want to cheer for, but you see that he's lo- he lost nearly $7 billion, and it's like, you, you feel for him a little bit. In the movie, you can tell he's getting squeezed both ways, because he's yeah. hurting because the stock is going up, but I think to Keith's point, like, the Nick Offerman, and even the Vincent D'Onofrio characters, they're also playing him, yeah. too. So yeah. Offerman is like your mustache-twirling villain, I think. He, and, 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 and D'Onofrio, to an extent, but at least he comes off with like a little bit of humanity, and I think that's more it could be Nanofra's performance and just also for some reason Delafro has a pet pig or Cohen so <laughs> but yeah uh, Offerman as Kenneth C. Griffin I mean, it's just he's he's a man that has too much money and really not a care for anyone but his own finances and I mean he plays that and Offerman plays that well it's just and then everybody just calling him a prick's also a nice touch but uh your other villain I guess you could say in this is Sebastian Stan as Lad Tenev he suddenly gets thrusted into as almost a billionaire and then it's just like he's like the cautionary tale what would you what would you do if you lo- if you're about to lose it all and it's an interesting take on that yeah it's like i said all the characters have played their parts well even if some of them are not as um flesh it's like some of the characters are not quite fleshed out enough but they're fleshed out enough to make it interesting yeah, and I always like Anthony Ramos and that whole him him and him working at GameStop and another layer to it. 
and Dane DeHaan, it's always fun to see. But, you know, that, that's one that could have been developed better. He's always very good, and he's very good in this. But there's really a lot of storylines going on here for, what, a 100-minute movie? Uh, but I, I liked all the characters who were in it, but you're right, there some of them are ankle-deep. Brad, I fluctuate. I'm gonna give it a three out of five. It's it's a good movie. I might be a little low on this, but I really I really enjoyed it. Like I said, some of the characters they don't they don't get as much as as they probably should storyline wise. By the way, it's also good to see Clancy Brown, and he's just he's a natural, just uh, just a commanding voice and presence. So I always love seeing him in any role. So. But yeah, I give it a three out of five. I'm gonna go three and a half. It's a good snapshot of what happened, especially something of, of really recent history. I mean, again, we're talking two years. I will go three, but I really liked it also. What I what I most appreciated was the world building of this era, and the fact that it threw me right into it. It was so foreign to me. Like I said, this subculture of Reddit, TikTok, and all that. Fun performances, and it's really just an underdog story, and that's exactly the kind of movie I like. Yeah, I would say you know if you haven't. If you want to do a double bill, I would I would think a Big Short and this together would be a pretty solid one. And if you want to go with uh, the social network, I, again, something that's looking in the recent past about something that was just like this meteoric rise, then that's good too. So, Rotten Tomatoes, Brad. All right, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critics and audience. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll ben, go first. Ben, what are you thinking? I'm going to go critics. I'll go like 81. And audiences, I'll go like 87. I was too low with the first movie, so I will go 90 from the critics and 87 from the fans. Okay. Critics, 85%, 182 reviews. Audience, 85%, 100 plus reviews. Mm. So right on the dot for both. So, And the critics' consensus, uh, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, Dumb Money's crowd-pleasing dramatization of real-life stock hijinks may not tell the complete story, but it's arousingly entertaining nonetheless. Speaking of money, talk about the box office this week. Brandon. Well, Dumb Money did not get what I thought it would. Not only that, it didn't even make the top five. Okay, that's fine. Um, Dumb Money finished in seventh with $3.5 million. It's three-week total because this was the first week it expanded. It was uh, $7.3 million in uh, three weeks. So, And I read that some of that may be the, for the fact about the flooding in New York. Mm, that's they, right. Because they would think New York might be a lot, might be a big uh, area to watch it because of Wall Street and all that stuff. So, but uh, yeah, Dumb Money finished in seventh. So, top five. And um, Ben and I phrased uh, these two movies as Salt Patrol. Um, everybody, everybody loves their Barbie Heimer, but uh, but I think the, the more uh, the more out there combo would be Saw X and Paw Patrol: The Mighty Movie. So those uh, are one two. Paw Patrol is number one. Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. Uh, $23 million in its opening weekend. Saw X, number two. $18 million opening weekend. So, uh, so yeah. So, if uh, you want to start another uh, another trend for movie watching, go back to back. Saw X and Paw Patrol. And see how much you like it. Number three is The Creator, which also opened this weekend. $14 million on its opening weekend. Number four, only one that's been out already out of the top five. None two. $4.6 million this week. Four-week total of $76.7 million. And number five, and I had to look this up because um, I forgot about it, and the title threw me because I was like, what the heck's The Blind? But uh, The Blind, the uh, the Duck Dynasty guys, uh, they made $4.1 million this week. Finished in fifth. Okay. Okay, so Keith, you want to give us the plugs? 
Oh, we can reach the Movies and Meal OG at gmail.com. We're at Movies and Meal on Twitter. And give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. All right, so for this episode of Movies and Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. Brad. Peace.